everyone, and welcome to the Filene Fill-In. I'm Holly Fearing with Filene. The Filene Fill-In is the podcast where we fill you in on what's been going on here at Filene's home base and out and about in the financial services world. So here we are, the fresh start of a new year. For many, this month is a time of reflection on what we've done and learned over the past year and a time to get serious around what we want to have accomplished by one year from now. For this first episode in 2020 of our podcast, I asked Filene's entire research team to reflect back and pick what they saw as the most essential research insight from our 2019 library. Then I asked each to give a preview of one report they're excited about sharing with you all in the year ahead. The team shared insights about the importance of your employees' financial well-being, smart strategies for serving independent workers with the specific financial products they need, how to provide affordable and responsible funding, services, and support to small businesses and entrepreneurs, design principles that result in user-friendly fintech apps and happier, financially fitter members, primary research findings from our member experience report series, and the unexpected value proposition of employee turnover. I'll put the links to each of these resources in the show notes so you can dig in deeper on each after listening to this episode. Throughout 2020, look out for more research and innovation opportunities for your organization to better understand and serve the financial needs of underserved and vulnerable households, better serving commercial businesses, providing financial services for community members that have experienced trauma, even more from our member experience series, and a very interesting piece exploring empathy and intimacy in artificial intelligence. There's a lot of new, unique, and valuable research planned for the year ahead, So take what you've learned in 2019 and get out there to make this year your smartest, savviest, most life-changing one yet. We'd love to see you more in 2020 also, in real life and virtually. The easiest thing is to keep listening to these podcasts every month. Then check out filene.org slash events to learn about our monthly webinars about forthcoming research and incubation opportunities. And of course, we'd love for you to attend our research and incubation events, as well as Big Bright Minds 2020, in Dallas this October. Check it out, pick what suits you, and we'll see you there. For now, thanks for being here, and here's to a fruitful and productive 2020. All right, I'm here with the entire Filene Research team, and we are talking about the year's worth of research that you all have done. And you probably have some thoughts on it, some favorites, some um, key insights you want to share with our audience. So, I want to go around the room and talk about what you thought was your favorite insight or a really interesting insight from 2019's research library, and then also a little bit about what credit unions should be excited about for 2020. Taylor, do you want to start? Sure. My name is Taylor Nelms. I'm the Senior Director of Research at the Filene Research Institute. And from a really diverse and productive archive, I think that my favorite report is a report called The Case for Employee Financial Well-Being, The View from Credit Unions. And I like that report not only because I wrote it, but also because (laughs) um, I think it really points out a key opportunity for credit unions both to improve their bottom line and also align with their mission. And that's to provide some real basic services and support for their own employees to better their financial lives, to improve their financial security and financial mobility. Um, There's 
a massive opportunity um, to, you know, support employees so that they're not distracted at work. And um, that has some, you know, real efficiencies and can, you know, help credit unions on the business side of things. But I think the broader point is that credit unions can do a lot with their employees that they can then replicate for their members. So there's opportunity there, um, I think, for credit unions to, you know, improve their services. We know that financial services demand is driven by, you know, desire for tools to help improve financial well-being. And so for credit unions to be able to work with their own employees, who are also often members, um, to improve their capability to serve their members on the financial wellness side, um, massive upside business-wise and and social impact-wise. So that's a report that I would encourage everybody to look at. I think it's a really exciting one. You know, looking ahead to 2020, I'm really excited about a report that builds on some long-term research with consumers who took part in an incubator test that Filene ran with the support of Visa called the Reaching Minority Households Incubator, which looked at five lending products and um, the opportunities there for credit unions to better serve households and communities of color. In the wake of that research, we sent out a researcher to work with individual consumers who received loans through that incubator test to better understand qualitatively in their own lives what the impact was and how credit unions can better serve them in um, sort of a high-touch, a set of high-touch interactions over the course of their life cycle. And the findings there are really dramatic. Um, It's a report that, you know, when I first sat down to read it, blew me out of the water. It's such amazing, detailed research that gets into people's lives and shows us the challenges that they face and the opportunities for financial services providers to support them at really critical moments. So I would look out for that one, which should be coming out in the spring of 2020. Awesome. And the rest of you, thumbs up on on those recommendations from Taylor? Yes? I think we all disagree. We all have different ones. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, you can have this be a gauge match. And, yeah, and I, we should have a debate down. about this. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. I think all of the research is fantastic. They're all my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> and people can start with the financial well-being report by downloading that. Definitely checking out that calculator that comes with it, too. Yeah, there's an excellent calculator. Thanks, Holly. That allows you to estimate the amount of time that your business loses to employees distracted by their own personal finances. I think it's something that we all are familiar with in our own personal lives. We don't always like to admit it, but, you know, every once in a while, right, or even more than every once in a while, you're thinking about stuff that's not directly related to your work. And so the opportunity to put people's minds at ease and let them focus on what they want to focus on, right, and doing a good job in their jobs, um, I think, you know, there's real opportunity there to, you know, improve the business. Mm -hmm. And we'll have lots of opportunities for people to engage with that qualitative case study report in the spring, like Taylor said. So I am also looking forward to that one coming out. We, I know we've been working on that for a while now. Laura, would you like to share your, you know, throw down what Taylor just said and give us something even better? Sure. I don't know if it's better, but it's one of my favorites. It's a research report named Meeting the Needs of Independent Workers. And this report is a case study of some efforts that Van City in Vancouver made to meet some needs in their community. And I like a lot of things about this report, but 
mm, the main things are is that it started with research. Uh, they had a hunch that there were a lot of independent workers in their area. So they did some uh, market research and surveys and found out that over 30% of employed people in their area were working in this sort of independent way. They were contract workers, gig workers, freelancers, you know, any of those sort of small business owners, basically. So, you know, a lot of the research that we've been doing recently addresses the change in the economy in terms of people not working for large firms so much, but working for small um, small businesses like that, or just you're trying to make a living by patching together different jobs. So those people, and the numbers are growing, they don't have a lot of financial security in terms of like savings accounts, health insurance, access to any of the benefits that we sort of take for granted when we work for a large organization. So Van City piloted two programs. One was a really quick business loan. They partnered with a small loan company that does AI adjudication, and they gave out a lot of loans with that pilot. And then they also partnered with sort of a healthcare organization to pilot a health insurance product. And you know they're still refining it and reiterating their uh, their product offering, but it's been you know received very well. I I've owned two businesses, mm-hmm. and I know how hard this can be. Um, and I really feel for you know it's hard to be a business owner, especially if you're on your own. To you need you know you basically finance it with your credit cards and friends and family and your savings. And small business owners they're all over the place. You know, they they have a shop on Etsy or they opened a florist. As a small business owner, would you have looked for these kinds of offerings from yes. a credit union and you would have used them? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's definitely good to know. very good to know. And that's that's Laura Gilliam, everyone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do, Laura? Just briefly before you oh, move on to 2020. I'm a research associate here, so I like first time on the podcast. I think so. Long time listener, though. I've been in here before, but I've never, yeah, I don't think that we've actually, you know, so this is my debut. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so um, you asked us to think of a um, a forthcoming Yeah, report. something you're, you're looking forward to seeing come to life in 2020. Oh, I forgot to mention something, too. Yeah. Um, I kind of had two. Um, I wanted to put in a plug for another no, report. No, you only, you only get one. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, related. It's okay. a small okay. business lending and independent worker resource guide. Oh, and that's something what's that? That's, it talks about specific resources that credit unions can use to share with their members. And it's a really great guide to help credit unions get started on the path. Like, you know, how can they partner with other organizations that are already offering support to small businesses. So I highly recommend that. It's called Small Business Lending and Independent Worker Resource Guide. And that was produced by Filene in collaboration with Visa. And it makes special reference not only to the report with Van City, but also to uh, an ongoing program um, that Filene is running with um, some uh, independent loan providers, uh, ref- loan referral program for credit union members. And then for the f- for uh, forthcoming, there's a report on commercial capabilities of credit unions, and I think that's going to address a lot of the problems that, you know, the reasons why a lot of credit unions don't offer commercial services, and I think there needs to be um, 
a lot of research done around that. And to, you know, for my understanding as well, just to know, you know, what sort of regulations exist and, and what can be done. So that should be coming out sometime in spring. Yeah. Awesome. We'll look for that. Okay. All right. How Thank about you. Paul? You have been on the podcast before in the in the car, right? I have. Yeah. I was the chauffeur <laughs> that brought you in alive from Chicago. You, you did almost crash with, with us in the backseat. Someone almost crashed with him. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say there, there are two sides to every story. Um, and then I also... Uh, was was a bit part in another podcast. And the reason I remember is because I was listening to the podcast in the van with my kids and they said, hey, wait a minute, that's you <laughs> on the podcast. Which one was that? It was, uh, I think it was Ed Filene's birthday. Yeah. And oh, everybody that's right. was sharing a little historical tidbit about Ed Filene. So I'm Paul Dion. I'm research project associate. And for me, uh, the challenge was kind of like choosing between my favorite kid uh, in a sense of choosing which research I wanted to talk to talk about. Um, and I chose the lessons of fintech apps, design matters for personal finance. And probably because that one was just published now and I have some recency bias. Uh, I also chose it because I like wordplay. And this one is about the lessons of fintech apps for the users of fintech apps. It's also lessons for credit unions if they're thinking about using their own apps. Um, so this research was really exciting to me because it was original research that our Center for Emerging Technology undertook. They spoke with people. They spent time with people using personal financial management apps and thought about how these apps were teaching users about financial management um, and then the challenges that users faced in making them useful to them. At the same time that they were studying how the apps were being received and used, they were also thinking about what the design principles factored in for the usability of the apps. And it turns out the design is really important. Um, it actually signals competency and it promotes trust among the user. So if, if the user finds the app is well-designed, it's slick and it works smoothly, um, that translates well to the company or the, the provider that's behind the app. And so for credit unions, thinking about what their app looks like, it's really, uh, as Bill Maher, the, the fellow, uh, described, it's really become the bricks-and-mortar face of the credit union. So in the past, you would maybe um, think about the permanence of those pillars in front of the credit union as a sign of permanency and reliability. And now it's really the app and mm -hmm. how slick and functional and, and well-designed it is. And that's the face of the credit union or the provider. So that was a really important lesson. And then also there's a lot of hype around these apps and a lot of promise, uh, but at the same time, they, they didn't work very well for users. They didn't really fit their needs in terms of the volatile incomes that they had in terms of the way that they used cash for different purposes. The apps weren't very good at recording and following those uses. Do you think that's because they weren't designed by a financial institution, but rather a tech company? I think that's possible. Mm -hmm. Also, I don't think they really spent a lot of time uh, with potential users and, and thinking about how they actually move through their lives in financial terms. So, so that, in theory, gives credit unions such a huge advantage or opportunity to design something knowing what their members want, right? Absolutely. I think credit unions are much closer to what their members' needs are and, and how to best serve them. And so I think this report will really provide some really useful guidelines for credit unions going forward as mm -hmm. they think about entering this space. 
Mm-hmm. And as I, I recall, this report walks through the nine design principles for if you if you want to design an app that is probably like to the best user user experience that that credit unions can download this report and get those those tips right from that report. Correct. That's right. Very clear do's and don'ts. Awesome. That's very useful. So anything else on that or do you want to do you want to share your outlook after that? Let's go forward. All right. So for 2020, um, the report that I'm excited about is called Trauma-Informed Financial Services. And it's really early in the project. But I, what I will say is that it's an opportunity for Filene to move forward and provide tools to credit unions on how to better serve uh, people who have experienced trauma. So that could be domestic violence, that could be uh, PTSD, it could be uh, crime, violent crime, and really to think about what a financial services provider can do to um, understand and serve that type of member. Um, the reason I'm excited about it is that at first it feels like it's a niche project, right? It's only f- applies to a small number of people. But um, as an advocate of universal design, I think this is a wonderful project because the idea of universal design for people with disabilities or others is if you really think about the needs of the most marginalized members in your community and you address those needs, everybody benefits. So if you center those marginal people and address their needs and do what they need, it actually improves the service for everybody involved. So other members would also benefit from that type of service delivery, mm-hmm. and it sort of lifts all the boats. Right, and it's it seems like it's an incredibly important topic for those that actually need those services. Indeed. Very, very awesome. I'm looking forward to reading that one as well. Next up, we are going to hear from Ellery. Can you start by introducing yourself and then and then lay it on us? Yeah, thank you. Uh, Elri Armasa, I have been at the Institute for four years, and this is only my second time here uh, with you. It's been a couple of years, actually. The first time was back in 2016. Wow. So That's it was a tragedy. Was we got to have I you on know. the podcast more often. Yeah. Um, let's, see, let's see how he does. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's a <laughs> reason why audition. I haven't been here <laughs> for the last two okay, years. I, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I spent a couple of years working with credit unions in our advisory services. Uh, And one of the things that we were passionate about exploring with credit unions one-on-one was this idea of how do we tie member experience to what we do every day um, and our strategic planning for the future. We got an opportunity to design a couple of experience maps. Fascinating to see how that process works. And this year, we got an opportunity to take a deep dive on understanding what does member experience look like for credit unions. We launched a survey. This is actually part of a three-part series research. And in the second portion of, of this paper that was published, I would say, in fall this year, uh, available in our website already, we got an opportunity to see what 130 credit unions have in common when we look at the current state of member experience at their credit union. Are they launching surveys? Is this something that they measure? Interestingly enough, seven out of 10 credit unions today capture this type of information. What we have seen, there's a disconnect between capturing the data and doing something with it. Mm -hmm. And here's where this report starts tying some of those elements of member experience, how are we doing? and tie them directly to what is our rate of growth? Um, what are some of those 
differences between credit unions in the top quartile versus those at the bottom quartile and trying to understand uh, is there something that we can learn from those top performers that we can apply at our credit unions directly. One of the interesting findings about this is that for credit unions that perform well in that member experience index, they also have a stronger rate of growth compared to those credit unions that don't necessarily achieve that level um, of performance. Same thing with their loan performance, uh, their return on assets is also higher. and it's interesting to quantify this type of return on investment with member experience. It's not, it's not something that is readily available through any other types of reporting mm-hmm. that you see out there. Uh, and talking about the future, paper number three has not been developed yet. Yeah. And that is exciting. What's coming with number three? Number three, 20, 2020. Uh, we are looking at taking a deep dive, looking at business cases, understanding are there any credit unions that are already... Uh, doing some of these things that the author has uh, suggested, looking at things like transparency. Is there an opportunity to enhance our operational transparency for members? We laid out what the what does it mean. And in paper two, even though we, we started quantifying some of those elements and who's doing what, uh, will not be answered until you get an opportunity to interview these credit unions, have a couple of discussions in a focus group setting, and paper three will deliver those sorts of examples, business cases, and an opportunity to understand from those that are doing a really good job today, what can we do in the future? That's awesome. I, I always love the multiple part research reports that we do because it feels like, especially with something like this, which is such a huge topic, it's either read like 200 pages all at once and have it be one report that you just need to dedicate an entire weekend to or, you know, we get a chance to really, like, not just hit it on the surface level, but we can dive deep into it and and drip it out over a period of time. It's kind of like a really great Netflix show that, you know, the other ones, there's only one epi- one season and it's getting canceled, right? And you want more. But for this one, it comes back for season two and season three. So I, I love that. We, um, we've, we did um, open book management in a three-part series before. And similarly, it looked at different angles of the topic. So... I think for this one especially, member experience being so important for credit unions, it gives people a really valuable opportunity to um, fully explore the topic. And that's research that's coming out of the Center for Organizational Entrepreneurship, and it's led by our fellow at the Harvard Business School, uh, Dennis Campbell. And I would encourage anyone interested in the topic to look at our forthcoming events as well for Mm -hmm. 2020. Um, Our event in Boston uh, in April will look directly at the new credit union experience. Mm-hmm. And for those credit unions who are looking to invest in that area or wondering why they should invest in that area, um, we make a pretty clear case for the ROI. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can learn how in April in Boston. Yeah, and Dennis has had some really good events so far and and well-received by credit union folks out there already. So definitely not one to miss. Okay, Last and least, we have George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who are you? Hi. Uh, this is George Hoffheimer. I've been at Feline for a decade and a half almost, so pretty crazy. And half of the existence. Of half of the existence, Filene. yes. Um, and I'm uh, going to kind of capture a theme here for the report that resonated with me the most for 2019 and the one that I'm looking forward to in 2020. It's all about being a little bit contrarian. 
Um, so the, the report in 2019 that uh, resonated the most with me um, was actually a research brief. It was pretty short. Um, we're going to be continuing on this research, but it's by uh, our uh, research fellow from uh, the Center for the War for Talent, Say Cooper Meese, who's a professor at the University of Texas in Austin. And um, he wrote a research brief entitled Leveraging Employee Loss for Employee Gain. So it's all about acknowledging you know, the fact that turnover occurs. And the brief is just uh, about describing what are the drivers and you know, what, what can institutions do. And we're actually doing a field study uh, around this as well. Um, but there's a particular quote in here that I like because it uses a word that I'm not really familiar with, but I became familiar with. And Taylor, you're going to have to tell me if I'm pronouncing this correctly. It says, for credit unions competing on pecuniary. Is that right? Pecuniary. All right. Pecuniary benefits and examples of that would be? Monetary compensation. Monetary compensation, right? So I, I love this job because we get to use fancy words for, <laughs> for simple things. But uh, for credit unions, competing on pecuniary benefits can be suboptimal, as for-profit competitors like banks can offer often offer uh, potential employees higher salaries. Instead, it's vital for credit unions to signal the non-pecuniary benefits of working at a credit union, such as... Socks. Socks. That's right. That's right. We were talking about that today. Um, Socks. Yeah, yeah. Laura is showing off her socks right now. For for those of you not in the Filene Research Institute panic room, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, Laura showed us her socks. But non-pecuniary benefits are non-monetary benefits. Um, So uh, it's vital for credit unions to signal non-pecuniary benefits of working at a credit union by highlighting key differentiators between credit unions and other competing organizations such as the focus on social impact and supportive culture within the credit union workplace. So um, it kind of gets to the whole point of, like, how do we leverage some of our, quote-unquote, weaknesses? Like, hey, we don't pay as much as mm-hmm. the, uh, the mainstream banks. Um, and how can we think a little bit more creatively about some of the recruiting techniques and tools that are non-monetary? And uh, we're going to be testing that out. And one of the um, thoughts is that we look at people that have left the organization and have gone on to, quote-unquote, bigger organizations or more prestigious organizations. And if a credit union highlights that, is that going to help improve the, um, the recruiting of, of uh, employees to, mm-hmm. to their institution where people would say, oh, okay, so this is a place where maybe I could hang out for three to five years, do a good job, and then maybe I move on to McKinsey or move on to XYZ type mm-hmm. of organization. So Does the... A credit union's social mission or the fact that you can, like, make a better case for work having a purpose, does that play into that type of benefit as well? Yeah, that's one of the theories as well, um, mm-hmm. is just kind of looking at that as a potential driver uh, of, of differentiation as well. So, yeah. It's and, not all pecuniary. It's not all pecuniary. That's it. That's the theme. I think that's the title for this <laughs> for this podcast. It's not Pecu- all pecuniary. Pecuniary comes from the Latin. Pecunia, which means money. Right. Which itself comes from the Latin pecu, which means cattle. Right. Which rhymes with Seku, who wrote the report. (laughs) So it's all coming around. (laughs) Why didn't they just say monetary? Because (laughs) it's it's very specific in terms of how we do that. That's Seku. Seku wrote that. And and I should say Seku's at University of Texas Austin, which is the Longhorns, cattle. Right. For pecuniary as well. Right. So it, it's, oh, it's all wow. connected. It really does it's all It's all like the Da Vinci Code now. Wow. It is. It is. Like we do have a code. There is a codex in each of our reports. <laughs> yeah. Whoever can figure them out um, gets free membership, I think. And a pair of socks. And a pair of socks. You just have to read every single research report to find it. Yep. That's so right. So ready, go. Ready, yeah. go. Age 16. That's a hint. That's right. That's right. 
So I'm excited about that one, um, mostly because it just kind of talks about a really, I think, interesting thing that credit unions are struggling with. And we're going to be releasing a field study based on some of those theories and see what actually works in the marketplace in the context of one institution. And then the other thing that I'm excited about looking forward in 2020 is a report out of our Center for Emerging Technology. I'm not sure when it's going to be released, but it's uh, Empathy and Intimacy in artificial intelligence. And once again, it seems like some things that just don't go together. Mm -hmm. When I think about empathy and intimacy and artificial intelligence, I think of HAL 3000. It's like, hello, Dave. Mm -hmm. It gets creepy real fast. Yeah, it gets creepy really fast. But um, (laughs) I had hold up an essay that our research fellow um, at UCI, uh, University of California, Irvine wrote, but it kind of disappeared on me here. That was kind of the basis for thinking about this. And that's uh, Bill Maurer, who's the Dean of Social Sciences at, at UCI. And just kind of talking about how credit unions uh, fulfill this really unique role in financial services as non-for-profit cooperatives and how they have a different way of looking at the world. And perhaps um, they can provide an empathic um, environment in in a world that is dominated by technology-enabled bots and tools. How do you integrate uh, empathy and intimacy in that role? And credit unions are perfectly positioned to do that. So how we're going to be doing the research, we're going to be doing a lot of interviews with people that are in that field within credit unions and also credit union CEOs to kind of gain an understanding of what the opportunities are. So it's more of a thought piece, but I think one that's really critical for credit unions and it's probably really related to what Ellery was talking about in terms of member service. And, uh, you know, that's such an important thing for differentiation of credit unions. And now Mm -hmm. it's becoming more and more, um, as Paul said, uh, more and more important. The the app is kind of the, uh, the, the entry point for the decision of what does great member service look like? So how can credit unions differentiate in a world where everything seems to be going technology enabled? So I'm Mm -hmm. super excited about that. Very cool. It sounds like a lot of the 2020 um, reports that you guys are looking forward to are a little bit out there from the norm or, you know, making a little bit of a, of a right turn or maybe a little bit of a stretch thinking. Do you think that's kind of a theme for what is going on in financial services in 2020? Or is this just, are these just ones that kind of stand out? I think research at Filene is always future-facing, forward-looking. So we always make it a priority to think about what's next for financial services. We want to be that that think tank to think forward for credit unions so that they um, they don't have to or so that they can go along with us on that journey. I think that theme-wise, research at Filene going forward is really going to be hitting on some of the key topics for our new centers of excellence. Mm -hmm. Um, So thinking about 2020, that's going to be the year in which we launch five new centers of excellence and have one continuing. So those are, you know, a center focused on consumer financial lives and transition, another focused on uh, community social impact, another focused on innovation and incubation, one focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion, the opportunities both internally for credit unions and externally in thinking about their members. And then uh, two centers focused on technology, one continuing on the Center for Emerging Technology and another new center focused specifically on data analytics and the future of financial services. So, you know, those are the key themes um, research-wise for us um, starting in 2020 and going forward. Awesome. Anything else you guys want to share or you know, favorite moment of doing research in 2019? Any closing thoughts for 
for our that one time we ran the regression analysis (laughs) and it didn't come out like we thought that was hilarious i I honestly i wouldn't doubt that elry has some moments around (laughs) like oh man i got all the survey data back and there was like 300 respondents and there was a there was an inverse data curve what about what about when Freddie had to our intern Freddie from the University of Wisconsin Madison he had to uh, examine all of these 990 forms from the IRS which were flat files how many did he how many did he go through Elry 721 yeah 721 and uh, I came up to him I'm like how you doing Freddie he's like I'm pretty tired <laughs> pretty tired his eyes were all bugged out too so yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, so it's crazy here, basically. Yeah. I, I can it's imagine. Yeah, bonkers 100% of the time. Bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What's your What was your favorite one? Oh, uh, my favorite has been throughout this whole year has been who do credit unions belong to. I really feel like that one um, hit home for me as, as a marketing person. Um, the strategies that Andrew Turner laid out around how a credit union can understand um how to speak to the audiences and and use that to their advantage to win them over, um, and then the the website analysis was mind blowing for that one for me around um, the, that very few credit unions actually uh, differentiate themselves on their website, but yet those that did were outperforming those that did not, which I think it's all it's all the um, data you need as a marketer out there to to try something a little bit a little bit um, off from center on your website. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to um, more to come from Andrew as well. Yeah, looking forward to 2020. We have a new report from Andrew Turner that will review the future of credit union field of membership. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned for that. Yeah, awesome. All right, thanks. So much happening at Filene. I know, I know. And you guys are going to be done with it all by like what, March? That's it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Then we cruise. Then we cruise for yeah. nine months, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. We're actually coming up on report number 500. Oh, yeah, that's right. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah. I remember when I started, we were, I think we were at report 92. And uh, at the time, you know, it was a two-person research outfit. And uh, the uh, our colleague, Josie, who was my partner, she's like, I wonder where we'll all be when report <laughs> 200 comes out. And we were thinking, like, oh, it's going to be like a – you know, sometime in the in the way future, like you know, back to the future, where you know where we're going, we don't need roads, and it was mm-hmm. like eight months later. <laughs> so um, yeah, so the yeah. velocity of uh, of our research is uh, mm-hmm. it's pretty impressive with this yeah. group. I mean, Very the close. pace of change continues to accelerate in credit unions, and so does the pace of research here at Filene. Think forward, change lives. Ready, go. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, thanks for sharing all this really great information with our audience. I appreciate it. Thank you. And happy 2020. Happy 2020, everyone. This is the most exciting podcast I think I've ever been a part of. (laughs) Taylor, you say that to every single podcast. You just love them all. I'm being sarcastic about this one. (laughs) Take two. Take two. Okay. On that note. All right, that's it for the fill-in, folks. Thank you for listening. And thank you again to Filene's research team, Taylor, Laura, Paul, Elry, and George, for sharing the best insights from the past year and an intriguing preview of our 2020 research portfolio. Once again, check out the show notes for links to all the 2019 reports mentioned by the team here. 
And for the 2020 reports, well, you'll need to come back on to Filene.org each month or check out your e-newsletters to get the very, very latest research as it comes out. Visit Filene.org research for, you guessed it, our latest research, and go to Filene.org events to register for where you want to join us in 2020. If you like this episode, please do rate us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. And make sure you're subscribed to the Filene Fill-In Podcast so you can keep up with what's going on at Filene. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch about today's show, email me at hollyf at filene.org or find us on Twitter at Filene Research. Until next time, thanks everyone. <laughs>